All right, hello, Rich Ryan here, bringing you another fresh torque talk, this time with one of the brightest young stars in the sport of obstacle course racing. Her name is Lily Elkin, and Lily is a two-time age group world champion, and after a dominant 2019, Lily has decided to move into the elite field full-time, and she kicked off her 2020 with a fifth-place finish in the only U.S. National Series race in Jacksonville, so she is primed and ready to make that leap into the elite field and be one of the best athletes in the entire world. So in this episode, we talk about Lily's goals of becoming a pro obstacle course race athlete, a nutrition therapist, and a coach. We talk about her process of recovering from her recent surgery and some of Lily's top advice for young athletes who are looking to take their results to that next level, much like she has. So remember the name. Here she is, Lily Elkin. Cool, Lily. Well, thanks for joining me today. I'm uh, really excited to kind of dive into some things. But first, this question I've been thinking about, do you have a rapper name? Uh, I do not, actually. I never thought about that. You My family calls me it? Snoopy, so maybe I'd be like the second Snoop Dogg, but I don't know. Yeah, there might be uh, there might be some trademark stuff going on. With, with <laughs> Probably. Yeah. There is, just with the way you spell your name, with L-I-L-L, i.e. there's something you mm-hmm. could do with like that lil the l-i-l there's mm-hmm. something right there already baked in i don't know what it looks like maybe a little snoop a little snoop that little sounds snoop. good something like that yeah or a little um, little lee like l-e-e something like that that'd be cool see it's already it's already mm-hmm. right then it fits fits the trends of the lil it does we don't have to, about that we don't have to put anything in stone right now but i think we should like continue to kind of work <laughs> <this thing>. okay <laughs> Um, cool. Well, I appreciate again, popping on. So tell us a little bit about who you are, what you got going on, uh, currently like where you're living and training and we'll just kind of dive in and talk about who you are as an athlete. Okay. Yeah. So I am currently living in Billings, Montana, um, training out of this area. I'm actually going to be moving to Arizona in 10 months, which, um, I'm really excited about for the opportunities with just the fitness industry. It's a lot bigger over there and like running, Um, being able to get outside for more diversified trails and terrain. Like you have Sedona and Flagstaff, just a couple hours away of where I'm going to be living and things like that. Um, And then the Grand Canyon and stuff, which is awesome for like wanting to do rim to rim to rim challenge, um, Mm. things like that. So I'm excited about that. Um, But this, it's a really great area here to kind of train and do like mountain biking. Um, There are trails super close to home, but yeah, I'm in school right now for nutrition therapy. And I just recently signed up for, um, a personal trainer certification. So I'll be getting that in March. Nice. And that's been a little hectic, um, kind of piling two things on at once. I didn't expect to be like so stressed, but I'm dealing with it. Um, and then, yeah, I've been racing. I've been doing obstacle course racing since 2017 is when I got introduced to it. Um, I have a background in softball. I did that when I was probably in seventh or eighth grade. I didn't really do any high school sports. Um, and that is all I can think of at the moment. And that's where we are right now. So when you move, mm-hmm. what your move, is that, uh, personal or is it for training or is it like, what's, what, what's, what's in Arizona more? It's kind of for both. So my boyfriend is actually down there. Um, mm-hmm. we've been, we actually met Spartan racing in 2018, um, on the national series circuit. Um, and we've just been trying to find a way to like be able to obviously like close the gap and train like every day together and like just kind of build that. But it's also more for personal things too. 
Um, I specifically chose to move down there rather than him move up here just because of the area down there and the possibilities and, you know, the market for everything. And mm. I follow so many athletes on Instagram that live in Arizona. So, you know, it'd be cool just to be in that environment. Maybe run like a join like a running club um, and just get more involved as a runner in that um, environment and just kind of, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be both of those things, right? Like it's going to be good on the personal side, but there's definitely some good training down there and a lot of things you could do that, that, that would help with this sport in particular. Um, and with mm-hmm. the, with the schooling, what is it about the nutrition piece that is interesting to you? Um, well, I wasn't actually going to go to school. I was actually fully focused on just doing obstacle course racing for a while. And then I realized that, you know, starting out obstacle course racing doesn't really pay the bills like 100%, um, unless you're like top tier, which I'm trying to get to, but for the meantime, I have really just been interested in it because in 2014, when I started to really get interested in wanting to get fit um, outside of like sports and just wanting to feel healthy and everything, I started to kind of experiment with how different foods made me feel and like, you know, what I ate. Like I remember running in my grandma's like on my grandma's property one day and I literally just ran around her yard and was trying to do like little hit repeats and stuff. And I felt like shit honestly like and that's you know I was eating like a bunch of fried foods and like my my diet was terrible and so I was like you know how can I eat better to make this aspect like the running aspect and the getting more in shape how can I make that feel better so that's kind of where it started I'd say back in 2014 um and I've done so many self experiments, which I don't really recommend like I've gone vegan without knowing like what supplements I was supposed to take so I got I got all these terrible, like, um, vitamin deficiencies. It was awful. And then I got, um, I went paleo for a little bit without really knowing like the ramifications of that. Like there's drawbacks to every diet and you have to know what the give and take is. So Mm. I think after doing some of that self-experimentation and really trying to, you know, figure out what the right balance of all the nutrients was, I was like, that's kind of what, um, led me to looking into Nutrition Therapy Institute, which is where I'm going. It's it's an online um, school based in Colorado. And they have been great. It's all science-based. It's not just like, a, oh, eat this because, you know, it's fruity and good for the environment. It's not like that. It's it's all about how it affects your body on the cellular, cellular level. And um, it has been fantastic. It's actually been a lot of research that I, like most people don't even know. So it's going to be really helpful to have that type of knowledge base one as an athlete and how it's going to help you fuel yourself, but also it's this conversation that needs to happen a lot more And there. And I think there yeah. will be a lot more awareness that is created around this and the opportunities for professionals like you will become, will be, will be a lot more as well. Cause like right now mm-hmm. it's still kind of like a growing niche. It seems like, but then when you have, when you're armed with that information, like everybody needs this, you know, everyone yeah. kind of has their own things that they need to work out when it comes to nutrition. So like having someone that can kind of help work them through it and give explanations that are steeped in science and that are actually going to be helpful because that's another thing. It's just like hard to know, like what to trust and exactly. what, what, what kind of things are, are real and what kind of things are anecdotal, what kind of things are just to sell you something. Right. So like having that information back, it's like, yeah, like you said, like you could have done this special diet that worked for just you and you could tell the world about it and if you're mm-hmm. good at doing that, but it could be misleading, you know? So yeah. like, I love that you're going after it in, in like this appropriate manner. Do you remember what it was the first thing that you did when 
when you decided like, oh man, this fried food is kind of killing me. Like, do you remember what, what you, yeah. did you immediately go to one of these, these like experimental diets or were you like, let me just like stop drinking soda for a little bit or like, what, was there anything there that you did? Yeah, I actually, I haven't drank soda in like years and it has been one of the biggest things probably that I would say, like the number one thing you cut out. Cause you know, that, that potassium sucks at like your, your bone density a, like the high, the high levels, like it, it, you know, the, I think it's the phosphorus in there or the phosphate or something like that, that, that really depletes that. And then, um, like the high fructose corn syrup and all that, that's the number one thing. But I, the first, one of the first things I changed was I tried to cut out bread for a little bit and I've kind of mm. waffled back and forth with that. And I'm actually going to try to go gluten-free, um, in the next couple weeks and we'll see how that goes. It's just, based on more information that I've learned, but sugar was probably the number one thing that I think I cut out at first. And that would, did that just come in the form of, uh, of just like extra sugar, like snacks type thing, like box processed foods, like desserts. Um, and then, you know, as my nutrition journey continued in my fitness journey, you see, you learn how many forms of sugar there are and like how they all basically affect their body the same. It doesn't matter if it says like raw, unprocessed cane sugar. It's the same as like the stuff that you find in Twinkies and all that. So, um, and, and yeah, that's what's, crazy. That's also what's tough about it too, because from like the molecular standpoint of things, like even like mm-hmm. high fructose corn syrup, which is so weird and completely artificial, not found in nature, like our ancestors yep. definitely didn't eat it. It's still kind of processed the same. You know, so if it comes down to like in, in terms of like energy, like the mm-hmm. high fructose corn syrup will probably give you the same energy that like um, regular fructose would or yeah. dextrose or something would give you. But just like what's the byproduct of that and what is mm-hmm. happening long term from this weird yeah. artificial stuff? It's like it's kind of it's actually been crazy. It showed it's actually shown that so you have that that just raw high fructose corn syrup in the foods it's been shown that it's more harmful than if you were to eat the fructose found in fruits. Cause you have the carbohydrates and the things like that, that are paired with the fructose. So mm. then it gets processed differently. Whereas high fructose corn syrup goes straight to the liver. Mm. It doesn't get processed. Like the glucose does with the fibers and the stuff that you find in fruits. So that goes right through the system really dosage. fast. Yes. Yes. And actually the FDA did an experiment. Um, they actually asked for like barrels of high fructose corn syrup from a company to do testing on. And the company basically refused to send it to them. So this lady that worked for the FDA uh, wrote to them again and acted like she was an interested um, client that was making coming out with like a new product and wanted to see what they were um you know, what kind of stuff was in their product. And then she obviously took that to the lab and did experiments and they found like uh, heavy metals and like all kinds of toxins and stuff. Like just the way it's processed is insane. And you're putting that in your body. It's like, Oh my gosh. So, you know, they're, they're big companies, right? So they're always, they're pushed to create profit and like to make, to Mm -hmm. get better margins and they'll do that however they can. And, And if that is like sacrificing the quality, you know, that's why they make high fructose corn syrup instead of just like, um, yeah, like organic corn syrup or whatever it would be because it's it's way cheaper it's cheaper so and then like so what's stopping them from then trying to make the cheaper product even cheaper they've already made this decision Mm -hmm. that what they're going to do is just feed us bullshit so like what do they care Mm -hmm. you know what's the bottom like and that's it's just such a business that it's and that they don't need to answer to the to the harm that they could potentially be doing and again, that's why people like you need to have this information so that you can like share it because it is ultimately on the consumer, right? It's on us to know what to eat. Right. 
but nobody does it. Yeah. Nobody, like, like nobody like goes out of the way to like figure that out. Why do you think that is? Like, why do you think people just are just like, yeah, this is fine. I just believe that this food that is in the store is like, okay. I think it has to do, I think, you know, the people that market for those companies are doing an excellent job. <laughs> I think they're fabricating the food in a way that makes it seem even like 50% healthy. And I also think it's like, you know, ig- ignorance is bliss. Like they don't want to know what they're doing to their bodies. They're like, let me just, you know, I'm so stressed from work or from, you know, raising four kids and work and like all this stuff that they just don't want to think about what they're putting in their bodies. They just want to grab stuff off the shelves and go on with their day. So Mm -hmm. I think it has to do with just not really wanting to be conscious of personal choices, which, you know, falls back on the fast paced lives that we all lead and kind of just not really learning how to deal with stress and everything. It's all, it's all tied in. It's not, it's not just about nutrition. It's about your lifestyle and how all of that affects you too. So I think it's just how we treat our bodies these days. I think it's just become a habit and it's become expected to work at such a fast paced level that, you know, cooking home meals these days is so hard and time consuming or people look at it as that it's like, you know, it takes 45 minutes to stir fry some vegetables and, you know, however many hours to cook some meat. So like, why don't I just get McDonald's or, you know, this box food or whatever. So that's a great point that the, 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 the time that people have is ultimately like the limiting resource across the board. So like, and even trying to figure out like what it is that in in terms of like the general population, what they need and like what they shouldn't be eating. It takes, it will take time for them to, to like research that. And then, then to like go out of the way to, to like try to change it. Um, So that's tough because it really is because you, because it is, you got to kind of put it back on them to create that time, which people just don't have. Or they won't, they're not trying to. They yeah. don't find it to be their main priority. They would rather like listen, like see the marketing from some product that's saying it's going to do something mm-hmm. that is unfounded, and they're just like, yeah, well, without someone else into will, it, and yeah, someone else will take care of this for me. I will just do what, whatever they whatever they say for that. Um, yeah, so that's that's cool that you kind of have gone down that process. So what are you you're going to try to do gluten free next? You think? I think so. I've I've just been doing. Um, time and time again, in all of the courses that I've taken with nutrition therapy, they have just mentioned like how it basically like sticks to your intestines and it opens up the tight junctions in your intestines. There's something in the gluten that upregulates um, this hormone called like zonulin, which the zonulin, like at the right um, frequency in the right amount, it keeps those tight junctions closed. And then if you have the gluten, then you're increasing the zonulin frequency and it actually opens the tight junctions, which um, causes a uh, leaky gut. Like right. Gut that's what we talk about. Leaky gut. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then when that, when, the, when, yeah. So when, then when that, like the leaky gut, like if things are kind of getting out of place, like that's what causes the inflammation in any, everywhere else it could potentially be. Right. Like if you're having, yeah. when people are having like knee pain and it's like, Oh, well maybe it's gluten. Like it's tied back to the gut. Right. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everything that I've learned about and what they're coming out with is like your, your gut is like, your brain and it pretty much is going to affect your mood and everything and your health, how long you live, like your health span versus your disease span later in life. You know, every, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like probiotics are huge. Like, like probiotic foods, like sauerkraut, kefir, kimchi, all of that stuff. Kombucha, um, a booch. Delicious. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and like, they were just like, just right on the, like, we're just starting to like realize this. So like the, the, 
the scientific backing in terms of like what actually helps your your gut health and what is harmful it's still so early that like these studies are coming out and they're getting disproven and then other ones are happening out and they, they're just like we're just we just don't even quite know yet <laughs> but yeah like, it seems like every day like they said eggs were bad you know a few years ago or whatever and now cholesterol is like the best thing for you like everybody's eating eggs so people didn't know what people didn't know what it meant right like the idea mm-hmm. of what when they talk about cholesterol like what it is what it means people just had like the wrong mis- had a misconception of like what is the difference between like the good and bad cholesterol and like the cholesterol that you're eating in your foods doesn't necessarily lead to bad cholesterol like in your bloodstream right. um but like yeah stuff like that happens all the time with like and that's going to happen with the the gut stuff so i think it's smart to try to try the go that gluten route are you hoping to see anything from it like are you hoping that it will is there something that you are feel is happening now that you're like if i maybe if i cut out the gluten this will help yeah well i just noticed like if i'm eating bread um if i'm at work or like just a you know a pasta meal you just feel heavy and i actually tend to get like really bad like afternoon like feelings of you know just dragginess i get really bad headaches um, and I just noticed that after I eat a lot of, a lot of wheat, a lot of stuff with gluten in it. So I'm just going to try it out. Um, I feel better when I eat super clean, like a lot of rice and rice noodles and things like that. And, you know, potatoes and everything. So I'm just going to kind of see, you know, if I'm getting less headaches or if I'm feeling, you know, not as dragged down or heavy and maybe I'm hope I'm hoping my workouts will profit from it so that you know, in the afternoons, whenever I want to go on a run, I'm like, you know, not dragging my feet out the door is taking 45 minutes, because I'm not motivated. I want to be, I want to feel more energetic and be able to get myself done earlier. So that's the worst, like when you need to work out later in the day, like that happens to me, I just just get tired. And I just like start creating excuses to like, Mm -hmm. take like five extra minutes. Yeah, exactly. Then it it is 45 minutes. Yeah, it's like, "Ah, I'm I'm gonna go put my shoes on. It's like, wait, let me just go check on this other thing really quick <laughs> so yeah if, let me look and if this it, up i forgot to google this right so yeah if like if that can help with like your energy throughout the day it'd be worth a shot i mean there's nothing bad that can happen from trying out these experiments yeah have you tried uh, like the low carb thing yet well that was the paleo and that kind of that mm, messed so. me up because i was eating so i actually gained a lot of weight i was i was doing paleo and then i switched right from paleo to vegan and I went into obstacle course racing actually like pretty heavier because I had messed up my like digestive tract so much because I was eating just like a bunch of cruciferous vegetables and you're not supposed to be eating those like constantly. Um, And then I was also relying on like that feeling of satiety, like the fullness and stuff from like, um, from like fats, from like nuts and like peanut butter and everything like that. So I was eating way too many omega-6 fatty acids and you know, like nuts are obviously great in moderation and everything, but I was relying on that for like all of my a lot of calories of fullness. And nuts. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I made myself sick on like pistachios. Like I still <laughs> can't eat pistachios that much. So, um, you know, and I was like, why am I like gaining weight or why do I feel so crappy? Like I'm eating super healthy and it was just the amounts and low, low carb does not work for me. And actually it's been, it's been coming out like the keto diet doesn't work for women because of their needs of like higher fat intake and things like that. So like women aren't meant to be low carb. Um, and actually low carb has been shown to have detrimental effects on all kinds of people. Like, unless you're dealing with some sort of, um, you know, like severe thing where you need it, it's like very specific circumstances. Like they, 
they have shown that people with like um, like epilepsy and stuff, they benefit from a high fat, low carb diet. So yeah, like the ketogenic yeah. diet's done real well for people like epilepsy, or if it's like yeah, they have to be in like some low protein type of diet. Like it, it, it can be very helpful from like a medical standpoint, but yeah. from an athletic standpoint. Uh, no, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how they, I don't know how people survive. Like the ultra runners that are like, yeah, I just, I eat so much fat and like barely any carbs. Like I've tried it. My body is not programmed for that. So same. And that's the, yeah. that's the thing. That's it's, it's good to note that when you're talking about like paleo or any diet, that's like, just eliminate something and all the other things, just eat as much as you would like, where maybe the general public, if they went paleo, that they cut out bread, like maybe that's a huge source of mm-hmm. calories for them and yeah. but like for you you're an athlete so like you have caloric needs and like the balance of that can kind of get out of whack if not all the macronutrients are accounted for and then it yeah if you're if you're eating and you're hungry and you folk and you're eating cashews like it's just so like peanut yeah. butter for that like it's just like <laughs> exactly it's still a lot of calories in that like no way around it it is it is it's a ton of calories um cool so yeah i love that you're headed down this and what what do you end up what do you want to end up doing with the the nutrition therapy degree what kind of what kind of uh like careers or jobs will you be able to after you're done being a pro ocr athlete yeah well i'm hoping to pair it with the ocr thing like you know how you have a lot of athletes coming out like face any and um all that, they, they have their own personal training business and they race too. Yeah. It's kind of going to be like that where I help clients on the side or, you know, online, I want to switch it all, all over to an online business. So I don't have to physically be somewhere and I can, you know, go to a race venue on a weekend, get done with the race venue, go back to my hotel and like write out a menu plan for somebody like that's the hope. And that's how I'm hoping to kind of initiate that. But then like after my OCR career, um, when I'm in like my late thirties or however long this goes on for, um, I want to open my own like gym and, um, like practice and stuff. And it's going to actually, it's actually going to be, um, right now the plan is to have a gym that's specifically catered to athletes looking to improve an obstacle course racing. So there's going to be like, um, an obstacle course racing gym combined with like, you know, a lot of different treadmills and stuff for like endurance athletes, like trail runners, um, and like rock climbers and stuff. And I'm going to actually hire coaches, um, and people that work in the gym area that have a background on those specific sports and can train people. So, um, and then attached to that is kind of going to be like the nutrition therapy office where like I can meet with clients in person. So it's basically going to be a facility where you can get all of your needs as, you know, somebody who wants to get serious about fitness and nutrition and stuff. You can, you can kind of get it all in one stop. So I love that. Cause like, you'll see that yeah. with like some, some gyms now where, it's usually paired with maybe chiropractic or physical therapy, but not necessarily nutrition. And I don't see why it shouldn't be. I think that that is, and I think a lot of it is the availability and people knowing like where to go to get nutrition help from mm-hmm. um, like a certified professional. And if it is just attached to the gym that they go to, I think that that'll be an awesome resource for pretty much anybody who would go in there. Yeah. It'd be easy to be motivating. Cause you can just do two in one, basically you don't have to, you know, schedule a different day. So. Yeah. Just knock it out. Um, so in, let's talk about obstacle course racing because you had a really successful 2019 and you were competing yes. in the age group. We haven't mentioned your age. How old are you right now? Uh, I'm going to be 21 on February 8th. Whoa. Congrats. Mm-hmm. Thanks. <laughs> big, Not really big, big into alcohol, but I was going to say um, big plans or is that something that, that you care for? 
I might do some apple cider, like hard apple cider tasting, but I'm not really into the getting drunk life, you know, all that. So you just got to buy some cider, just buy it for somebody and just, just go in and buy a six pack of butt or something. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I'll probably, I'll probably do that. Um, I really like wine. I like it for health purposes and stuff. It has that resveratrol in it. So I'll probably start getting a bottle of wine every once in a while. But other than that, no. Yeah, treat yourself. Well, yeah. so when you, in 2019, you were still competing at the, in the age group categories and you pretty much cleaned up, right? Like you yes. won North American Championship, you won World Championship at Tahoe, pretty mm-hmm. much smashed every one in the U.S. National Series as well, right? Yeah, did, did <laughs> I guess you, not, you could say it that way. Did you not win a, I'll say it that way. You don't have to say, it. I'll say you smashed everybody. And did you not win a race in 2019 age group? Um, I, well, okay. So the only two that I came in second in was the ultra in August um, of 2019. And that's cause I ran with my boyfriend and he has some knee issues and I like promised him I'd stay with him. So I wasn't running competitively for that. That was my first super long race. So I was just running just to do it with him and just to get it done. <laughs> um, and then the second one, I, it was the, uh, West Virginia trifecta weekend. And that's actually when I, uh, injured myself that resulted in the very surgery that, um, I'm dealing with now, um, surgery, surgical rehab. Um, so I, I injured myself on one of the downhill segments in the, in the beast the day before in the action North American championship race. And then I got up the next morning and I raced the super in elite and I came in fourth right behind I was going to come in third but I filled some obstacles and fame Morgan got the better of me um and then um I raced age group directly after that and by then like my ankles were swollen and I was dealing with a lot of pain and then like the pain just cleared up and so then I just took off and I made up a lot of time so I came in second with that which I was actually disappointed in I was like oh man I could have come in first but like I was I think it was like less than a minute off behind like first place um so those weren't really, I would say, technically, yes, I did come in second, but they weren't like purposeful. Got it. Got so. it. Was, <laughs> you didn't show up for one specific race. And like a lot of these races, you were winning outright age group, right? You, you weren't just not winning. You were winning amongst every single age group, not just your age group at the time. A, a lot of them, I'd say, yeah, a lot of them in 2019, it was first overall in women's age group. Um, and it got to the point where I was like, so competitive. If I saw like, you know, a 35 year old in her prime that like came ahead of me in age, you'd be like, man, like I could have done better. So yeah. I started to get really competitive with that. And then, um, at the beginning of 2019, I remember Sarah DeHill's mom, um, Tamara DeHill, she came up to me. She's like, why aren't you running? Um, why aren't you running elite? Like you should be running elite. This was in the national series in 2019. And I was like, you know, like, I don't know. I'm kind of just seeing where where it goes right now um, and just kind of how it feels. And then I kind of, I kind of messed with it in June. I think I did elite both days in Monterey. And then I switched completely over after world championships 2019. And that's when I did elite in Sacramento. So, and then, so the years prior to 2019, you said you started in like 2017. So you had like maybe two years under your belt. How, how are those, and it sounds like going into 2019, you're like, all right, well, let me give this a crack. I'm going to, I'm going to go after every championship here and just yeah. see how the season goes. How, wh- mm-hmm. what were, I'm not too familiar what your seasons were like in 2017, 2018. Like, were you still winning age group or were you at the top or, or was there progress from the two years or was it, were you instantly just killing people? 
There was, there was some progress. So 2017, the first race that I ever did was in May in Big Fork. And I just did open wave because I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And I straight up sucked my miles. It was like a, it was like a sprint and it was like 25 minute miles in the mud. Like I failed <laughs> so many obstacles and I, but I got finished. I was like, I freaking love this. Like, let's do another one. So I trained and I did the beast in Seattle in elite. And I came in 10th in that one. And I actually got my coin for Tahoe. Cause it was the end of the year. And I was like, Oh my gosh, let me go to Tahoe. But I thought about it. And I was like, hmm, I don't think I'm ready for that yet um an elite and then so then I trained for Sacramento in 2017 in November and I also raced elite in that and um my nutrition was off that day too I felt like crap and I came in like 16th or something so um then I went into 2018 and I raced elite both days in February and I didn't do 12 with that had some more cramping issues some more you know all of that just trying to figure out my nutrition and everything in the mornings the night before. And I was still like trying to lose like all that weight. So I just felt like heavy. I was kind of like holding some water weight, all that stuff. And then this is when you were paleo. I, I think it was around either. I was, I was vegan or coming off being vegan. And I was like still trying to level out everything. So I was still having a lot of like, just feeling really dizzy and like, it was, it was, it was crazy trying to race and train and, and all of that. Um, and then 2018 March, I did the first national series in elite. Um, and then I think that's when I, I think after the finish line in elite, I talked to Robert Coble and I was like, Hey man, like, you know, what can I do to improve? Like, how can I get better at this? Like, I really want to make it in this sport. Um, and he like mentioned going to age group and just getting some experience and seeing how I, dealt with that and felt so then that's when I the next race that I did in um in April uh the national series in Seattle I did age group and I won both days um and then I was like hey like you know this is where I can still see what my weaknesses are but I'm not getting completely discouraged as a new athlete like Mm. you know seeing how much ground I have to make up like I can it's something challenging for me but it's not like making me you know feel it was just kind of like a confidence booster it was nice yeah um starting out in the sport as an 18 year old so um then I kind of just did age group throughout that whole season um I won age group 2018 at Tahoe um and then I did I did do elite at the end of that year in Sacramento and I came in fifth and second that was my first elite podium I came in second behind Rose Wetzel on the sprint so that was nice that was really interesting that's when I kind of started to realize that how much ground I had made up and I figured out a lot of stuff and then 2019 I went into that whole season I was like okay this is like my last year doing age group and by you know the end of Tahoe 2019 like I'm gonna be fully elite um and I still had I still had a lot of issues 2019 um a lot of overtraining issues 2018-2019 were actually pretty like painful years for me um just as far as overtraining and stuff I was beating myself into the ground I was going hard like every single workout I was you know Uh running race pace at stuff that I shouldn't have been running race pace in and by the end like the middle of the season like 2019 I was having to take like four or five days off like once a month and I felt like I had a cold every month 
And I just did not want to work out. I was like, I don't even know why I'm doing this. Like I was so like my hormones were out of whack. I was like crying all the time. It was, it was crazy. And I, I, you know, I realized now that it was all because I was overtraining and just not getting enough sleep. Like everything was out of whack. I honestly, I think it was just, I don't even know how I survived that season or ended up coming in elite both days in Sacramento in November, because I just, I beat myself up, man. I should not have been in that position. So. So do you think that was kind of why going into 2019 that you decided to go age group? Is that just because your 2018 seemed pretty solid still, right? Like you want to, you got, yeah. on, you got on the podium, but like going into 2019, we're just not feeling good. And you just like, weren't feeling confident in like your like ability to train and feel okay. And like, was it like, yeah tell me about that like what was the decision to to hold hold back and do 2019 in age group there was a lot like i had to think about it a lot um i was by the end of 2018 i was obviously aware that i had gained a lot of experience and a lot of ground in the sport and i was kind of questioning you know what i should do but then i i recorded all of my times in 2018 and you compare i i compared those to the top five or 10 women um, in the national series and stuff. And I realized I still had a lot of ground, you know, to cover. And I kind of talked to my parents and it was more of like a, like, we don't want you to get discouraged kind of thing again. Like, you know, like to feel on top one year in 2018, just to, you know, be back to where I was like 20 end of 2017, like again. Um, So it was just more about working on, on a lot of little things and get, getting better, getting more experience, just getting more miles under my feet and everything like that. Um, and I actually uh, actually thought about quitting the sport seriously at the beginning of 2018 before I really even got into it because um, I think I was still overtrained. I, I, that was the beginning of me overtraining. I just did not want to work out anymore. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I don't even want to do this. Like this, you know, this sucks. And then I just, I stuck with it and I figured out some stuff. And I'm glad that I stuck with it and uh, all the way through 2019, even though, you know, I was, I was doing stuff I should not have been doing, like, like literally trying to run eight or 10 miles at like as fast as I could. Like my, my long, easy days were not easy. They, it was, it was crazy. And I had no idea. I had no idea about heart rate zones. You know, I didn't have that running background growing up with track coaches or anything. So I didn't know how important it was and, you know, why heart rate zones and why easy days were structured the way they were. So overall, it was just gaining more knowledge and experience. And that's why I stuck with age group 2019. Um, But by the end of 2019, I honestly started to get like bored. I don't want that to sound bad, but I started to go into like expecting to win age group. It was, it didn't, it didn't feel like a competition anymore. So that's why I wanted to stick with, um, I started to compare all my times to the elite women anyway, whether I was racing elite or not and competing with them. So, and yeah, like you can do time to time comparison, but like when you're in a race, it's going to be different if you're there. So you could even like, cause I, I looked at that too. You would have been like top 15 at West Virginia and like top 15 at Tahoe too in elite last year. Right. I think you would have got 13th in Tahoe and like 15th in West Virginia, just based off of your times. So that's running, expecting to win. And so like there's, there might not be that urgency to like kind of push and move. So like you could easily be in top 10 last year. Right. Like redlining and stuff. Right. Yeah. And just to double back a little bit, it makes intuitively, it makes sense to like 
go hard all the time, you know, and mm-hmm. when it's, and when it's up to you and she's like, I need to get faster at running. I need to run fast. And if I could hold mm-hmm. and, the, and I got this 10 mile race coming up. So if I can hold a 10 mile pace just today, like, let's just get, let's see if that's something I'm capable of doing. Uh, so it's not like it's not surprising that you did find yourself in that place where it's like oh my god i've gone so i've gone too i've gone too hard yeah uh when did you how did you realize that that was the case like when did you kind of take a step back like was did you just start talking to people or like when were you like oh i'm just i'm just going crazy all the time i'm just like crushing every workout well one of my one of my um the people in the gym i ran with he kind of looked at me working out. I was doing like the circuit workout with burpees and sandbag running and stuff like that, getting ready for Sacramento. Um, and I came in one morning after Tahoe getting in October, like trying to get ready for the last race of the season. And he just looked at me. He was like, dude, he's like, go home, man. Like, what are you doing? He's like, you look exhausted. You don't look like you're enjoying this. Like I can see the pain on your face, like how much you're struggling with this. He's like, you know, that's, he's one of the it's kind of a cliche term, but he was like, this is a marathon, like not a sprint. You're not trying to crush yourself at every workout. Like you've got to take your time and change takes time. And then, um, my first coach, um, that owned that gym, um, at the beginning of 2020, when we were getting ready for Jacksonville, he was baffled that I didn't, I hadn't been using heart rate zones or anything. He was like, do you not understand like what, like what kind of gains you could be making if you actually focused on like your pace and taking that seriously and like easy, easy days. And, you know, like he was probably the first person that opened my eyes to how sport is so much more than just pushing yourself and like the aspects of like the scientific, you know, side of it and how it's, it is all science-based. Like you can't just go out and be like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, just kind of wing it this week and see what the results are and expect to go into this competition feeling 100%. Like it has to be structured days with like, like, you know, purposeful intensities and everything. So, um, and that's kind of, I was still pretty stubborn. Like, um, I'm still kind of dealing with trying to pace myself just cause I obviously didn't get that much experience last year, getting a feel for what an easy pace is. Um, but that's kind of like, I'd say end of 2019, beginning of 2020 is when I really realized, like, I cannot be doing this. Like, you know, athletes shouldn't feel like they don't want to work out constantly. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's a tough lesson to learn from that perspective. But like you said, in like the mentorship that you had didn't really come into your life until you had already done two years of like maybe less than purposeful workouts. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and the success that you've even seen, like getting podiums in elite, like doing well to, to the point where, like you are able to compete at the highest level, cleaning up age group for the most part off of training, like too hard. Like that to me is a really good sign going forward, right? Like you've learned these lessons and now it's a matter of like figuring out how to put a little bit more of that structure behind that and actually getting those gains. Mm-hmm. Cause you were probably just like leveled out just like, and not really obviously not getting the rest, but so therefore not really getting the gains. You're probably just like riding like this red line at the top and just, until it kind of broke off. So um, it's really promising for the future. And for, for many people that are like in your position, maybe when you were a couple years, a couple years back, like what are some of the like, tips you would tell people who m- might come to you or somebody that you would like, if you were to talk to your old, 
your old self, like what kind of tips would you give to younger athletes who want to have the find a kind of success that you do or strive to have the same kind of goals you have of becoming a professional obstacle course athlete? So the first tip that I would give people is sleep is like, it can't be underestimated. My sleep schedule, I thought, you know, cause I was young and I had like, you know, I was working and training and stuff. I was like, Oh, like I feel, I feel fine. Like I thought I felt fine. Um, you know, not having a super consistent sleep schedule and being able to go to bed at different times and not get as much sleep as I needed for recovery. It is so important. And I'm still trying to figure that out personally, like trying to get that leveled out. Um, but going to bed at the same time, like between 9.30 and 10.30 PM, getting up at like, you know, seven, eight, sometimes even 8.30, like that getting up consistently and going to bed consistently at the same times and getting the right amount of sleep. Like I cannot underestimate the importance of that. So for like young people that think they're invincible and think that they can just like go, 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 go. And like just totally disregard the recovery portion. Like you're, you're not going to end up where you want to be. You're going to be sliding backwards. I think about that sometimes when, when I first went to to college to run, I lived in a dorm that was just a mixed dorm. It wasn't like all athletes or anything like that. And, and 18 year old kids, they, when they're like unsupervised for the first time, they stay up all night. So like, even if like I had a roommate, even if I wanted to go to bed, I couldn't like, I was like up until Mm -hmm. two and like would sleep until like seven when I had to wake up, like not getting any sleep. And that's just how I was like functioning. And I thought that that's just what you're supposed to do because they, that's just what kids do. <laughs> they just, yeah. Um, so that's a good, that's a good tip. So thinking about like having an actual schedule like getting to bed at a certain time, like being consistent, has that right. been really helpful? Uh, well, like I said, I'm still working on it. It's been kind of, which leads me to my, like my next point um, with athletes that are dealing with injury and stuff, you kind of see how you would be if you didn't have the structure of sport, like, so like kind of a saying that I've been thinking about is respect yourself as a person as much as you respect yourself as an athlete. Like you can't, you can't work out five days a week and, you know, have your coach, you know, your track coach, your cross country coach program you all these workouts and be like, you know, make sure you're getting your sleep, like eating right. And, you know, eating, like doing all that stuff Monday through Friday. And then on the weekends, like totally binging, drinking, eating like crap not getting enough sleep. And then, you know, a lot of athletes, when they do get injured, they find themselves in a position where they're depressed and they're anxious and they totally lose their sense of like self-worth. Cause they're like, if I'm not an athlete, like who I am, who am I? Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh-huh. So you just gotta keep in mind that like you, you know, you want to feel great 40, 50 years down the road. And that all starts in youth. Like there have been research papers and stuff that come out that are saying, you know, the sleep that you get now, the consistent sleep and stuff can prevent Alzheimer's when you're younger, like in your twenties. So it all adds up. So you can't just get sidelined as far as your health goes, Hmm. just because you're not in that, you're not constantly pursuing like, you know, your next performance or like your next training block or whatever. Um, So that's kind of like, that's something that I'm still figuring out and that I've come to realize is what my habits would be like, you know, if I didn't have sport, like you, it's really kind of woken me up and be like, whoa, I need to have, I need to better care of myself. Cause how many people do you see in like their forties and stuff where 
they're like, you know, oh, I used to, I used to be so active in high school and everything. And then when they don't have that structured discipline and they get out of their sport, they just kind of let everything fall off. And it's like, what happened, man? You know, like you've, you've got to respect yourself as much outside of the sport as you do when you're in the sport. I love that. And it parallels really well with the sleep struggles of things, because it seems like when, at least when I was young, it was like, there was time to figure out like, Oh, I I'll get healthy. I have time still. I can do this. Like I can treat myself like shit now uh, mm-hmm. because I'll figure it out down the road. So is that kind of what you're saying? Like, don't wait. Like there's no purpose to not take your health into your own hands. Like, and no one's going to really do it for you. So like, yeah, take accountability for that. Exactly. And I know that there's like that whole, you know, peer pressure thing around like the youth, like you said, staying up late, like, you know, if you go to bed, everybody's like, Oh, like, you don't want to stay up and party with us. You don't want to do this with that. So it's kind of just the environment that the youth are put in. But I think that we need to kind of get away from that peer pressure and that environment. And we need to realize like, you know, the change and the future success that you want in your forties and fifties, like you want a good life overall, like that starts with the habits that you sell yourself up with in your twenties. So in in your late teens and twenties. So it's, I think it's really important for, for the youth to be more educated on how our habits now affect our long-term health. Um, and we just really need to be like more aware of how we're treating our bodies. Like, you know, do fun stuff, like have a cheat meal every once in a while, you know, have a, have a drink here or there, but don't, don't totally let yourself fall off or, you know, have bad habits just because you think you're invincible and you're young. So that's just, right. that's, that's my perspective. And I think that's really important. I love that. And um, yeah, like you mentioned, like on the weekend, like doing well Monday through Friday, and I think everybody deals with this, and then, but then letting it slide on the weekends, it's like, this is still your health. Like your health is still your health, mm-hmm. no matter what day of the week it is. So like, yeah, and it's not going to, serve you well if you have athletic goals like it's not going to serve you well on the weekends either so just taking accountability for that um and you've kind of been going through this journey a little bit yourself now like in terms of the habits of things yeah it's it's really hard for me to break habits which is a good and bad thing because the good habits that i set up like when i am in training mode and like i am you know on my diet for the season and stuff it's great and i can hold myself accountable but then at the same time on the other side of that coin is like if i like get in this rut or I get in these, it's really hard for me to like pull myself out. It's almost like, you know, mm-hmm. an addiction, like being on my phone when I should be going to bed and things like that. So that's personally what I'm working on right now is really getting everything straightened out and being disciplined in all aspects of my life, not just the, the sport side of it and working out because I know I need to, it's like every single aspect um, is what I'm kind of trying to figure out for myself and working on. And that's kind of my goal for 2021 is really getting myself in a good place, both mentally and physically where I'm disciplined um, in all aspects. So I like that. Yeah. And it's uh, something that I'm, I'm with you on that. It's like the moderation of things. It's never been my strong suit. So it's either like all in on the things that are really good or all in on the things that are really bad. And then it's like hard to like move in either direction out of it because I'm just like so much over the top on one side or the other. Um, cool. Exactly. Anything else for the any other pieces that you would like to share, like kind of like what the journey you're going through or other things that you feel might be overlooked by some of these younger athletes? Um, I think patience is a really, really big thing. And mm. that kind of goes back to, you know, the overtraining aspect and wanting to like push every workout and expecting results like the next week. 
Um, and the patience has really, you know, I've, I've gotten a lot more experience with patients with trying to just figure out what my injury was. Like, I didn't know what it yeah. was. So I had to wait till the next doctor's appointment to see if there was an answer. And then I had to wait, you know, and just all of that. So it really, you know, if I, if I like wanted things to happen right then, like I would have gone crazy last year, you know, mm-hmm. like just sitting around, just like twiddling my thumbs, waiting for the next answer, what it could be. So I just had to like, you know, stay steady and keep my head clear and calm and just understand like, it's a process. We're going to get this figured out, like positivity, patience and positivity, I'd say are the two biggest things. Like don't let yourself get discouraged just because you have one bad performance or you have, you know, a couple bad months where of, of health or whatever, like an injury, you know, a setback, like don't give up just because you have setbacks. So that's, that's probably, you know, that, I think that comes with a lot of experience. Like you really have to realize that through a lot of personal experience, but you know, it's something that you can't learn too early. So and that's, what's hard, right? Like the, for people who might not have that many experiences just because they have not had the opportunities because they have been alive that long. It's like the patience of yeah. things, you know? So it's like the patients, mm-hmm. they have the longest time to really see things through, but they have the shortest wind, like glimpse of, of, of experience to make them know that there's times on their side and that it is a long mm-hmm. game, right? Like it's really, and especially for OCR, yes. like you mentioned people being like, in their mid thirties and people like in their forties and they're still crushing. It's because like, it takes a long time to get like really strong and really fast. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, like, I, like for me, I'm 34. I've had, I've had 10 years of strength training experience, 10 plus years of that. And with, on top of the endurance training. So it's like, it's taken that long to even get to where I am now, but we'll come. And so like, it just takes a long time for gains to happen. So patience should be on your side, but it's hard because you just, don't know what might come. So that's really insightful. Yeah. I really like that. And like the, you mentioned something about the discouragement of things. And, and I think that that's a, a good topic to kind of cover because you are going through uh, a, a tough part in any athlete's life, life is coming through, coming back through injury. And you've mm-hmm. had over, you had, how long was it then? It was like August until like February or no, August until when, when did you get your surgery? It was August of 2019 until December 1st is when I got my surgery. And like mid-November is when we figured out the answer, like, oh yeah, you need surgery. This is what's going on for sure. Um, So that was, yeah, that was September, that was like 15 months. Yeah. Before we figured out. Right. And like you still were racing and still Mm -hmm. running hard. um, And I'm sure there were things that were a bummer. So how did you kind of keep in now and then you're kind of in this recovery phase where you found, and since, since we've started working closer together, you seem to have had a, a, a really solid attitude on this. And this is not an easy thing to go through. So how did you help your, your mindset in terms of like not being discouraged through a 15 month long injury that ultimately led to a surgery? Well, I, I have a really good support group around me. I think that's one of the most important things is just having people that encourage you and are like, you know, we'll get this figured out. Um, it's okay. Like, you know, just do what you can. And I had, I had mountain biking and stuff. So I still was able to train 
somewhat and stay active. And, you know, I did a 50 mile day on my mountain bike and stuff. So I set like little goals for myself and just kind of focused on what I could instead of just being like, Oh, well, I, if I can't run, like I'm not going to do anything. Um, so I still tried to focus on my strength and, you know, just, yeah, just do what I could and know that there was an answer. Um, like I know a lot of athletes like Nicole Miracle had had like foot surgery in the past and, you know, look where she's at now and stuff like that. Um, so just kind of the knowledge of like other athletes that have gone through similar things too. And they've come out on the other side, even better, or like, you know, just as good as they were before. I think that has been a huge motivator. Um, because you know, it's kind of scary going into surgery. Like you hear the word surgery and it's like, Oh my gosh, you know, cause how many people do you hear about that? They get surgery and it doesn't go well, or, mm-hmm. you know, like they slide backwards and things like that. And, um, but everything seems to be going great now. Like the, the surgeon that I've been working with, um, and the physical therapist, they said, everything's looking great. Um, they cleared me to start little bouts of running. So I, you know, I'm really hopeful for the end of 2021, moving into 2022 that I'm back to, you know, 100% being able to move forward with my career. So yeah, it's definitely kind of, yeah, we're, we're, we're getting there. Right. And is that something you kind of kept in mind is like when, when it's time to kind of continue to, to like, that it is going to get better. Was it easy to think that, or were there times where it felt almost like hopeless? There were times honestly, where I was really discouraged and like, obviously being, you know, in quarantine alone in your room with your thoughts didn't help (laughs) this past year. Like I wasn't able to go out and like, you know, work as much as I wanted to. And then I actually got coronavirus last year, which um, wasn't fun. So then I was quarantined again, like still not knowing answers. And I had to go to the emergency room a few weeks before that for like, you know, being dehydrated and like a kidney infection. So it was a lot of health issues on top of the fact that I didn't know what was going on with my ankle and like, I couldn't run. So I honestly got like almost borderline, like depressed, probably parts of 2020. Like it was like an ebb and flow, like, Oh, I feel positive about this It's getting better. And then it would go back down. And then it was just kind of, so, but a lot of, like I created a vision board recently. And I think that, you know, envisioning success within yourself and like having those goals pinned up constantly, I think that's a really important um, thing that we all overlook is like, you know, it's easy to push your goals and your dreams and stuff into the back of your mind. Cause like we were talking about earlier, you know, life just gets so busy and things, you just, you get so stressed out and you don't realize what the end goal is. So having that vision board to be able to look at and envisioning success and being like, you know, I'm going to come out on the other side of this. Okay. Like I know I'm going to run again. And I know that I'm going to have that feeling of the start line and of like training and running and all that stuff. It's going to come again. So just being really positive. And I think self-talk, you know, talking to mm. yourself and having those, those visions, those little, you know, segments that you just imagine and like that feeling again, like that is huge. Those are good lessons too. Cause those, that'll help carry those translate into training, right? Like if you can have these, mm-hmm. these positive goals or like have visions of what you want to accomplish for a season or having the positive self-talk, like that's just going to help every aspect. So I mean, it sucks that you had to kind of go through what you, what you're going through in terms to kind of come out with this, but it's going to definitely be helpful to kind of call on these skills that you're, that you're learning while you're not able to train. Um, cool. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm real excited to see, yep. see how you, how you progress through this and I'm sure you'll be back and ready to rock it. 
Um, and in terms of OCR, when you're on the course, like what is like a specialty of yours? Because we haven't even mentioned you did do the elite uh, wave at the U.S. National Series in Jacksonville in 2020, and you got fifth. Yes. Right. Yes. So mm-hmm. like top five at the U.S. National Series is no joke coming straight out of um, age group. So and that's with a hurt foot. <laughs> Um, it's my dog. Um, and that's, uh, and you had that hurt foot as well. So what do you do well in OCR? Like, what is it like, do you have like, what's your best attribute for obstacle course racing? I think a lot of it is more of the, like, like weight aspects. Like I'm, I'm really good at the tire flip. It's always been really just easy for me. And I know a lot of females struggle with that like, you know, getting, getting down and getting under and like squatting and getting it up. I always just, I've had really powerful legs just from softball, I think. So like being able to get down and do that has been great and just move on to the next obstacle. Um, as well as like the bucket carry and like the sandbag carry that's where in Jacksonville, um, 2020, I passed a lot of people. Like, um, I kept my fifth place lead after I passed Ashley Heller on the bucket carry towards the end. And then um, I made a lot of ground in the sandbag carry at the beginning of that race too. So just like being able to deal with weight, you know, in addition, like on my frame, just like, and running with it is, it's just, just always been super easy for me. Like it, obviously, you know, I, it, it's super painful still, but I just am able to push myself with that. I really need to work on like more upper body, like pulling myself up. Like I deal with, I have a really hard time with the box um and like rigs and things like that and I'm still trying to deal with how to pace myself on um climbing mountains and things like that but I do think that I there are definitely some obstacles in Spartan racing especially that play to my strength so I'm actually trying to look at like branching out and do more like maybe savage races and like the OCR brand like OCR world championships eventually and just doing even more just trail running races um just to get more experience but Spartan racing has definitely been a good starting point for me to kind of get into the sport and see what my strengths and weaknesses are. Do you like the carries? Do you like them because of enjoyment <laughs> or do you like them just because you're good at them? I, I like them just because I'm good at them. I know that I can make a lot of ground if I really push myself because I know a lot of people do struggle with those carries. I, you know, I hate it just as much as the next person. I see, I, go, I come around a corner in a race and I see the buckets. I'm like, oh shit, you know, yeah. like, here we go. Like, let's just get this over with. But um, it's, it's definitely something that I know is a strong suit of mine. And if it's at, you know, it depends on where it's at in the race. If it's at a good point in the race where I can make a lot of ground towards the end of a race, then that sets me up for being in a good position at the end of it. Like when I put the bucket down and I take off, there might be somebody that's, you know, 30 seconds behind me because they couldn't get up the hill. And so that's something that I'm hoping to maintain that, you know, I want to move forward, like keeping, you know, that power in my legs and stuff. Did you train carries specifically, or is it something that you are just like, you're, you feel like you're powerful and you're able to, to move weight on your frame just naturally, or, or was that something you kind of really put work into? I worked a lot with incorporating like sandbag carries and stuff like that um, into my training in 2019. Um, Like with circuit training, things like that. I do like, you know, burpees and 
you know, then I do maybe some like rig work and then I go straight to like a sandbag. So I'd kind of almost do like a mock OCR thing, like once a week Mm. where I would like fatigue myself and then I would just get used to like carrying the sandbag or a bucket. Um, There was when I first started training in 2017, I was just doing the recommended workouts on SpartanRace.com and they were they were crazy back then. I know they've updated a lot of them, but there would be like workouts where it'd be like run for three hours and then do 300 burpees or whatever. And <laughs> I, I did that. And it was like, go out and find a rock and do like squats with the rock and like put it down and then carry it or like fill up a bucket with gravel and like carry, you know? So I think just the training that I've done has helped a lot. But then I also think just the way that I'm built naturally, like I'm a little bit, you know, I'm not, slender anything like I have a bit you know stockier build so I think that's I think it's just a a combination of just my natural build and yeah what do you like most about training then do you about training specifically for OCR I I really like running I really miss it I love running yeah I think that's my favorite thing like um there's a road out um outside of my neighborhood where 2019 to get ready for so many races I would just run in the evenings and like you know chase the sunset I had like a little six mile route that I would do and I it was like my favorite thing about training I loved it so bring it back we're bringing it back yes yes hopefully it's coming (laughs) very soon um so when you look at goals for the year let's just speak to like because what is your goal for this year like in your specific circumstance of like just coming out of uh, just coming post surgery, like what would be a successful year for 2021 for you? I think just being able to consistently train without pain, like longer distances, you know, by the end of this, by the end of 2021, I'm hoping to be able to run 13, 15, 17 miles without, you know, like with ease, like, I really want to improve my endurance and my performance and my pace and just get more into the technical side of it and work more on like my heart rate um, and staying in those zones and just getting really more experience as an athlete, kind of getting ready to come out on the other side of all of this, just more prepared so I can really crush the 2022 season. Um, And my mom and I were kind of talking about this morning before our appointments. It's like, should we do, you know, should I, I have begins like where I, do a super and then get up and do a sprint, you know, that's, that's kind of tough to call. So it's just kind of going by feel like, I don't know how many races I'm actually going to have this year, just cause I don't want to fall, like go backwards and like overstress myself. I kind of want to focus more on the training side of it and just get back to feeling more confident in my abilities and things like that. So, you know, by the end of this year, hopefully I can do like the Seattle trifecta weekend and um, Sacramento just confidently be able to go into that um, and do elite in that. Um, so that's, I'd say that's my goal is just feeling overall confidence again in my ankle. Cause I haven't that, felt that in a while. So. Right. Like, yeah, if you feel that would be huge, if you can come out of this rehab piece and just be like, I'm good to go. Let's train. Yeah. And again, exactly. that's, that's comes back to the patience piece, taking your own advice, just not pushing, not worrying about it. There's no type of, uh, quantified goal here. There's not like a top finish at Tahoe on your mind or whatever. It looks like it's just like, 
getting back, trusting the process, getting back to it, and then just being ready to train when you're ready. That's when things will kind of take off. So I love that. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right, Lily. Well, I appreciate you popping on. We'll kind of wrap it up. I want to keep you all day, but I do appreciate you popping on. It's great getting to chat with you a little bit more. Um, where can people find you and follow your your journey? So I'm on Instagram primarily. That's pretty much where I post everything you work out of. And my Instagram handle is Lily Elkin underscore Spartan OCR. And Lily is spelled L-I-L-L-I-E and then Elkin E-L-K-I-N. And that's all like one word. Lily. Lil. <laughs> Lily, yeah. Lily. Um cool. Yeah. And and we'll be making sure that we're sharing the story uh, on Torque's page. So of course, give that a follow. We'll throw all the links in the show notes here. So, and we'll have to have you follow up because um, we'll continue to see how things are kind of progressing throughout this because I mean, you're going to have some valuable lessons to share with everybody down the road as things kind of progress. So we'll be hearing a lot more from you. All right. Awesome. Thank you for cool. having me, Rich. All right. Sweet. Well, we're signing off. We will talk to you guys soon.